Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. We were just singing how great thou art. Just stole your music. Um, and then that was a pretty weak uh, ovation. Let's just say, let him know how great he is. Come on. All right. So the, um, uh, the, the last verse talks about, um, you know, Christ coming and taking us home. And uh, that's not just whenever he returns again. It's whenever uh, we pass from this life into life everlasting. And th- th- those words right there rang true for one of our beloved this last week. And take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and thou proclaim my God, how great thou art. Most of you received the uh, email uh, notice that uh, Miss Arlene Bailey, uh, Doug's uh, mom, passed away this past week and uh, her funeral was yesterday. But uh, today she is uh, singing uh, in his presence uh, and it's the actual fulfillment of what we were just singing there. There was another, there was another, uh, let's see, lay me down. I want to see those. Can I borrow these two? Okay, yeah, he says I can. All right, so we were just singing um, the chorus of the very first song. I lay me down, I'm not my own, I belong to you alone. Lay me down, lay me down. Um, and really, that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. It's not just a song, but it's the reality of what we are whenever we come into a relationship with Christ, what we experience not only just once, <clears throat> whenever we come to the full acknowledgement of our sinfulness and then recognize that because of the holiness of God, we must uh, repent and change our minds, uh, our whole life view, and embrace what God has done for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's an act of laying our life down, and we lay it down every single day. If you would grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at a passage here from the Apostle Paul uh, when he is uh, talking to a messed up church. And it's kind of an encouragement for us that we see these words of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I just want to read a few, uh, a few of the verses there before we get to our focal passage. But he starts off uh, in chapter 1 saying, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then he says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes into a prayer of thanksgiving and words of thanksgiving for them. And again, it's a, it's a, a people that really are going through a difficult time. Uh, they are believing things they shouldn't believe. They're doing things they shouldn't do. And, and, and they are a mess, which should be encouragement to us. But Paul says, I thank God for you. 
And then right out of uh, uh, beginning in verse 10, he's talking about the divisions and, and that, that are experienced in the church. And uh, one of the things, I'm, I don't know if I mentioned last week, week when we were doing our turkey report, but was as uh, we were in, uh, Fletcher and I were in three different countries over that particular period of time, but it just, what just resonated so with me was just what a profound influence that different cultures have on the whole belief system of the people. On what you think, on how you behave, what you do, what you wear, how you act. Uh, the whole aspect of it. It's just like a stranglehold that if we're not careful, culture can have on us. And it's true everywhere in the world. If we do not have the anchor of Jesus Christ, then the flow of culture will dictate so much in our lives. Now, Paul here is talking about the divisions that they have. And it's like, uh, you know, some of them are talking about, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Christ. And, and he's going, Christ is not divided. It's, it's all about Jesus Christ. And then he says this. Let's pick up with verse 17 for our focal passage. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask if you would just stand with me. I know you just were standing, but stand with me. And let's read these passage, this passage together, verses 17 through 25. <clears throat> For he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, <clears throat> we just want to come before you right now and acknowledge that apart from you, uh, there is no life. Uh, our wisdom can never attain for us the very purpose of life or, uh, Lord, even a relationship with you or what's right or what's wrong. Father, we want to confess right now that we need your wonderful words of life. And we pray that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, that you would just take the word, your word, and plant it deep within each of our hearts and each of our minds that as we leave here today, Lord, we won't just have information, but we would encounter You and that we would respond to, Lord, the truth that You bring before us today. Lord, I pray that today, corporately and individually, we would do what we've been singing, that we would lay me down and that we would embrace the fact that there is no life apart from you. Thank you, Jesus, for providing that life. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
All right. Um, so, you, um, several years ago, Billy Graham uh, had talked about how he was the guest of the Secretary uh, Secretary General at the United Nations in New York. And the Secretary General took him into a small room that had been designated as a prayer room. And, and Billy Graham said as they entered in, it was a dimly lit room, but he immediately felt that there was something missing. And then uh, he saw that, well, there was no cross there. And so within his mind, he, he, he realized that th this was just religion without a cross. And it's a testimony that as he was at the United Nations, that the, the nations of the world are deeply religious, but yet do not know Jesus Christ, have not embraced the very thing that Jesus came that we would experience, and that is life. And so as a result, religion leads people down a path of death and destruction. And, and so I, I, I resonated with that whenever we were in Turkey as we were sharing our story. And by the way, thank you all for hanging with us. And there's so much more to tell, but we took a good bit of chunk of time to share what we did. But, um, you know, that, that whole aspect as far as the religiosity of the world is just so rampant. And, and it was true as, as, as we were in our time in, in Turkey, our, our wonderful host, at which we shared uh, with you that just extended such amazing hospitality and, and fed us so well, gave us a place to stay and, uh, you know, a bed to sleep in and, and great food to eat and great conversation. Uh, but it was in, in those times and those days that we had uh, with our amazing host uh, that it just became so true how empty religion is. Uh, in our conference, and by the way, you know, he's a very learned man. He'd done well, uh, by working in London for a while and had his own businesses. And yet he loved this town in which we were in. And he came, you know, comes back there, uh, to live. And, and in our conversation, he talked about, you know, the importance of religion to him, but, you know, that he, you know, just not too religious, you know, ju just, uh, just enough there. But it was in uh, our five hour meal that we were talking with you about. Uh, that there was lots of discussion. And it was in that discussion that he was, you know, he was talking about the importance of, you know, life and, 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 you know, doing things with people and valuing people and, and enjoying life. Uh, and he made the statement. He said, you know, I'm 74, you know, and I need to enjoy life now and I'm going to enjoy all I can because who knows what the next stage holds. And I was thinking, well, that's why Jesus came is to be able to reveal that truth to where we're not unsettled about that. And at first I thought it was just, you know, pretty secular, but after a while I found out, you know, that he does follow most of the, the Muslim practices, uh, you know, in his life. He's embraced them. And again, you know, living in a culture, we just kind of go along to get along. But, you know, in Ramadan, you know, he practices fasting during Ramadan. And, and then, and then after a while he began to speak how, as we were talking about, you know, the importance of, of people and the value that God has placed on people. He talked about uh, how every year uh, he follows the practice of sacrificing a lamb. It's part of the custom of the festival of sacrifice in which they had. And so, you know, here I'm thinking I grew up on the farm, you know, but I'm going, well, here we are in the city. And, and, and so what? And so, yeah, every year uh, during that festival of sacrifice, 
Due to the customs, you know, he sacrifices this lamb and, you know, they cut it up. You know, this practice of cutting it up and then sharing it with the needy, the poor, the, the impoverished and, and with uh, neighbors and things of that nature. And, and it's customary, you know, to save some, you know, for yourself. But he goes, man, I, you know, I just give it all away, you know, uh, to, to those that are needed. And I just kept thinking, you know, here's an individual, he's a gracious, gracious individual that is doing these things in hopes of securing a safe eternity. And I was going, wow, you know, every year there's that, that sacrifice of that lamb. And, I, and I'm going, well, there was that one time that the perfect Lamb of God had already been sacrificed once and for all. And there's nothing else necessary. There's nothing that we can do in order to experience the grace of God and the presence of God in our life. It's been done uh, through Jesus Christ. And so it really brought back just the importance and really the centrality of the cross. And I know we have crosses everywhere, crosses on churches, and we wear crosses and all that kind of stuff. But, but as we looked at what Paul said in this 1 Corinthians, he said that, you know, lest the, cro- lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And the truth of the matter is, is that we can just go along to get along and we can just kind of hydroplane over the significance of the cross. And so I want us to spend some time this morning and really the next two weeks after this and just allow God to refocus us on the cross of Jesus Christ, the centrality of the cross and the message of the cross and the bearing that it has on my life and your life each and every day. Good deal? So let's take a look at it. The cross. Here's a couple of things that we see in the cross as far as the meaning. Number one, the cross exposes the world's guilt. The cross exposes the world's guilt. At the cross of Christ, sin really had reached its climax. Its most terrible display took place at Calvary. It was never blacker, never more hideous than this time at the cross. And it's at the cross that we see the human heart laid bare where the Bible teaches us that the heart is deceitfully wicked. And, you know, it's at the uh, it's at that point that we think that, you know, we see the wickedness of the cross, even in things that we can do things to earn God's favor, to merit God's favor. There are two massive obstacles that really are standing in the way as we think about this and and what the cross accomplishes. One is the pride of man. You know, and, and really was kind of convicting to me, you know, as, as, as we were sitting there sharing and talking with our host, you know, and you think, well, in, in his attempt, you know, he was just trying to do something that would please God and that would earn God's favor. But isn't this a reflection of our pride to think that we can do anything, anything to merit God's favor in our life? The pride of man. The cross is an indictment, serves notice that this pride stands in our way. But another is the righteousness of God. Uh, The righteousness of God, and what is that? It's the unwavering zeal for the exaltation of His name, the glory of His name. That's true of God. That's, That's God. That's what's on God's heart is His exaltation, His glory. And if we can do anything, anything, if we think we can do anything, then we're taken away from what He did on the cross through Jesus Christ. And so the the pride of man is our unwavering zeal for our own glory. 
You know, look at me. Look what I was able to accomplish, no matter what it may be, you know, before God or before people. And so what is uh, in God is righteousness. This, this declaration that I will be glorified, I will be lifted up, I will be exalted. What in God is righteousness in us is sin. Look at me. Look at me. Does that make any sense? Human nature has not changed over the years. And as we look at the cross, we see the clear evidence that mankind is basically wrong. And we hear God's verdict when He says in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And He's not just talking about you know behavior. He's talking about the very essence of our being. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The cross, what it does, it exposes guilt. It says guilty, guilty. Secondly, the cross proves God's hatred of sin. Uh, we try to minimize that, downplay it just a little bit, you know, especially when we know we struggle with it. But God hates sin. God hates sin. Look at these verses here. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. Uh, the wages of sin is death. By the way, also in uh, Ezekiel 18.20, you might want to put that reference. It says, the one who sins is the one who will die. The one who sins is the one who will die. So you sin, you die. And the wages of sin is death. And then Hebrews 9.22, I think it's on the next frame right there, brings us uh, into perspective. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. You know, have you ever thought, like, I don't understand it. Why did there have to be a cross? Why did Jesus have to die in order that we could experience life and life ever, everlasting? Well, it points, it shows us right there as far as God's economy. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. That was true in the Old Testament. And this is God's story. And you go, well, just that don't make sense. It just, it just, in, in, in this world, it just doesn't make sense for the, Wisdom of man is foolishness to God. This is God's story. This isn't our story. And, and as, as, as we share the good news of Jesus Christ around the world, it's, it's clear that it's foolishness. It, it, it seems like foolishness. But again, it's God's story. And that's why, that's why, one of the reasons why it's essential that we pray, we continue to pray, because God commands us and invites us to pray for those, pray that people will come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. So where there's a dream or vision or whatever it may be, to be able to say, wait a minute, there's a, there's a whole new economy, there's a whole new way of thinking. And it's God think, not world think. So here, it's in the cross that, uh, it proves God's hatred of sin. Here's a statement that there, there can be no forgiveness of sin unless our debt has been paid. God won't tolerate it. He condemns it and demands payment for it. God could not remain a righteous God, a holy God, and compromise with sin. His holiness, His justice, His righteousness demanded death penalty. And so the tendency again today so often is, is, is like, God, that's kind of severe. That's God's economy. This is God's truth. There was a um, sermon I read about uh, several years ago, R.C. Sproul. You know, anybody know R.C. Sproul? R.C. Sproul. Uh, and it was a, a, 
It was the intriguing title, I can't remember it now, but it was on Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. And it's where Jesus gets word that Pilate has mingled the blood of the Galileans with their sacrifices. In other words, Pilate had killed these Galileans. And uh, they come to Jesus and they're just amazed that this horrible thing would happen. And Jesus responds in this temp- uh, typical manner. He says, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this? He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish likewise. In in other words, as you look at this, he was saying, Jesus says, are you amazed that a few Galileans were killed by Pilate? What you ought to be amazed at is that you haven't been killed yet and that you will be killed one day if you don't change. You know, that's some harsh words you know, that come from Jesus. And what R.C. Sproul was pointing out uh, is this age-old difference between the way that man sees the problem of relating to God and the way the Bible sees the problem of relating to God. Here it is. Man-centered humans are amazed, just amazed. Man-centered humans are amazed that God would withhold life and joy from them. But the God-centered Bible is amazed, amazed and staggered that God would withhold judgment from sinners. Without the cross, the righteousness of God would demonstrate itself only in our condemnation. The only way for God to demonstrate His holiness and to uphold His righteousness is through hell itself. Thank God for the cross. When we look at the cross, we see how drastically God deals with sin. This is what the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So it's in the cross that we see the, the world's guilt, my guilt, your guilt exposed. It's in the cross that we see God's hatred for sin. But it's also in the cross that we see God demonstrate His love. Third point, we see God's love demonstrated. You know, we can look out at creation and, and, and uh, we see all the, the beauty that God has provided for us. And, and some of you that, uh, you know, traveled over the weekend, uh, the extra days you had off, you know, perhaps you went up in the mountains or went to the coast or whatever the case is. And we, and we see this beautiful creation that so often we take for granted. But we can see God's love in creation, God's provision that He's provided for us, His plans that He have for, has for us. We see a revelation of His love, but there's nothing that compares to the sacrifice of Calvary and what Jesus did on the cross for me and you. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's love for you and for me. And then Romans 5.8, Paul is saying, but God demonstrates His own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, it's one, it's one thing to get into debate with folks as far as, you know, Jesus and religion and all this kind of stuff, but it's quite another thing to go before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, Lord, I just I first want You to help me fully understand what you've accomplished in my life through the cross that you laid out your life on and you spilt your blood on so that I could experience the love of God. It's in the cross that God demonstrates 
His love for us. But number four, and I want to spend a uh, few extra minutes on this one. It's in the cross that offers the way to victory. It's the cross that offers the way to victory. Again, you know, Paul's talking about, he says, I didn't come to baptize. I didn't do this, come to do this kind of stuff, but I came to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, but through the power of God. And he said, uh, you know, if I was trying to get out there and convince some folks, he said that the, the cross of Christ would be emptied of his power. And, and the truth of the matter is, unless we understand what God is wanting us to do and, and to embrace through the cross of Jesus Christ, you know, it maybe has been emptied of His power in your life, in our, in our communities. But there's power in the cross of Jesus Christ and what He accomplished for us in that. We all know, and we can all testify that, you know, that certainly we've sinned. We would say, yep, uh, guilty. Uh, but also we know even as followers of Jesus Christ, those who've embraced Jesus Christ, that there have been times where we've been defeated. You know, perhaps by believing the lives of Satan, we felt uh, strongholds have developed in our life. We understand the bondage to sin, being controlled by some power or feeling as though we are slave to something that's not of our choosing. But the cross is the instrument by which God delivers us not only from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin. God makes it plain that our flesh, our carnal nature was dealt with at the cross so that in our standing in Christ, this flesh has no more power over me, over you. He puts it this way. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose his power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. So now all of a sudden we begin to understand what we were singing over there a little bit earlier. I lay me down. That's what it, that's what it means when we come into the presence of Jesus Christ and, and acknowledge what he has done for us on the cross. We go, I'm laying my life down. Uh, I'm, I'm dying to self. We know that our old self was crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our life. He promises that sin loses power in our life. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have invited, truly know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, then whatever may be controlling you other than the righteousness of God, you know, don't believe it. It's not true. It has lost its power. We are no longer slaves to sin. Don't offer it. Don't offer it. See, the cross offers you and me a way to victory. Verse, uh, a few verses later in uh, Romans 6, 14, he says, For sin will no longer be a master over you, since you are not under law but under grace. So how many times have we just gone through life and just kind of surrendered to the thought that, you know, man, this thing has just got me. You know, I'm never going to be different. We believe that lie. God wants to remind us this morning that the, through the cross of Jesus Christ, we have a way to victory. We wrestle with temptation and sin. Uh, Satan uses all kind of things, jealousy, pride, gossip, gluttony, sex, sin, all kind of sinful appetites to control us. But in the cross, there's power to overcome. The cross is not a mere event in history. And, and this is, I think, kind of the the focal point that, I want, that God wants, I believe, us to, to really settle on. 
The cross is not a mere event in history. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. And in, in this particular passage, as Paul is beginning to, to address the, the uh, Christians in Corinth, he's saying, man, y'all are not taking up your cross daily. Now, you all of a sudden got on the religious track. You, you, you understood that Jesus and what He had accomplished for you, but now you're, now you're living by something else other than the resurrected Christ, other than the crucified Christ. And you're beginning to follow uh, different belief systems and different things, and, it, and it's got power over you. Uh, take up your cross daily. And Paul, what he was doing here uh, in these early chapters of 1 Corinthians, if we read on, would show that the, um, the Christian life is a life on the cross. Uh, that may seem a little bit offensive, but here's the deal. The cross is not merely a, pa- a past place of substitution where our sins, uh, He paid for our sins. It's not a past place of substitution, but it is also a present place of daily execution. And we're going, oh, really? Yeah, but in death there's life. In death there's life. Not just something in the past. But it's every single day, I lay me down. It's the execution of pride. It's the execution of our self-reliance. It's the execution of comfort. It's the execution of whatever it may be that is getting in the way of God experiencing His glory and us even having that desire. Take up your cross. See, God is more able, more than able through the cross of Jesus Christ to give us daily victory. And He wants to do that until we can say with Paul what he says in Galatians 2.20. The next slide right there. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Uh, That's what He's calling me and you to experience. I've been crucified with Christ. Have you? He says, and if so, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm trusting what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I'm trusting what Jesus has done for me through His death, burial, and resurrection. I'm trusting that He is in me and His power and His grace is sufficient. So the goal of the cross is not just only a full pardon, uh, a changed life, but it's also the the exaltation, the glory of God and His righteousness for us to be able to say time and time again, Lord, there's nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to that cross I claim. I can't do it. It's all about You. We serve notice. The cross serves notice on our pride that we can do anything. It serves notice that it's all about Christ and about His life in us. That's why Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. And this is the message that the world needs today. This is the hope and the peace that God wants to bring. But this is also what the world calls foolishness. But what God has called wisdom. I want to encourage me and you to continue to be fools for Jesus, to preach the foolishness of the cross. It's... it's, 
it's so true that so many have backed down because of, of maybe pressures and we're seeing more and more resistance in our country today. But the fact of the matter is the only answer, the only answer is Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished through His death, burial, and resurrection. And it's in the cross that God has called us to live and take up every day. So here's a question. Have you, have you trusted what Christ did for you on the cross? I think most of you here have. Have you been willing to, to, to allow uh, Christ to not only crucify you, your pride, but everything in you that represents life and, and trust Him for His life? What is it that as a follower of His that He's wanting to execute today? You go, oh, I don't like that. No, but you know what? You're going, I don't know. I'm not experiencing the joy. Oh, I'm not experiencing the victory. It's because there's something that He's saying, take up your cross. Take it up right now. I want to put, I want to put to get to death that pride that's in your life. I want to put to death that sense of self-reliance that I want to put to death that, that intellect that you're trying to outthink me. Just go ahead. Take up your cross daily and let that be executed for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you so much. Uh, for your amazing love. And the truth of the matter is, is first and foremost, you are worthy of all glory and all exaltation. And Lord, we want to come and confess that so often we glory in so many other things. God, we ask your forgiveness and we confess that and ask that today anything that's standing in the way of your righteousness and your holiness being displayed in our lives and in our body. Lord, today, we pray that there would be an execution and that we would say with Paul, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Lord, we thank You for Your cross. The horrific events that happened there, Lord, it, our, we can't wrap our minds around it, but, oh Holy Spirit, we do pray that You would help us to wrap our arms around You and Your love for us and that our lives would be instruments of Your righteousness every single day. Lord, please show us in any ways that we're trivializing what you've accomplished for us and bring us into profound gratitude for your great love and the price that you paid for us. If there's anyone here today, Father, oh, we just ask Holy Spirit that you would just knock on their heart's door if they don't know you and that they would come to, Lord, just... <laughs> Swallow their pride and allow you to nail it to the cross and to embrace you and your love for them and to receive you as their personal Lord and Savior as they confess their sin, as they turn from, uh, Lord, as you sail in your word, their wicked ways. 
self-ways, forgetting God-ways, and experience the life and the light of the world. For those of us that are followers of yours, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, show us what you're wanting to execute today as we take up our cross. Will you be glorified in our response? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.